This is a Canicurio podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp licensed news directly from the data vault. So welcome to the Canicurio podcast powered by Cannabis Media, and I'm your host, Ed Keating. On today's show, we're joined by Brian Passman, CEO and founder of Hunter & Esquire, a retained executive search firm. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ed. Really happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Um, so tell us a little bit about Hunter and & Esquire and you know when did you start it and why? Yes. Uh, also, uh, happy 420. Oh, happy 420 as well. Yeah, can't forget that. Right. All right. Uh, Hunter & Esquire, uh, retained search firm serving the cannabis industry. We launched uh, Q3 2017. It was uh, really a culmination of life's work. I feel like something I'd trained my whole life for. I've, I've spoken before about my uh, relationship with the plant. I'm sort of a consumption veteran and definitely a veteran of retained search. And, you know, we had a lot of friends, uh, we being my wife and I over the years that we had made in the industry. And my last gig working in food and beverage CPG, it wow. just started becoming more and more abundantly clear that there was this, uh, this unmet need. You know, there's a lot of industry specific service providers that exist. I know, you know that Ed, mm -hmm. uh, serving the cannabis industry's needs. And at the time we uh, gathered ourselves to launch, we understood that there wasn't really a, a retained search white glove um, talent acquisition provider serving the industry. So we decided to leverage uh, lots of years of experience to serve the industry because it was exciting to be a part of this industry, supporting the plant that we love so much. And really, how many times in our lifetime do we get to be a part of uh, the creation of a new industry? It's it's every day is exciting. It's yeah. it, it's it's so much fun. And uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that. But that's why we're here. Excellent, excellent. So um, dive into a little bit about some of the former industries that that you served and and sort of how that experience plays into the, the type of searches that you may do now. Yeah. So I began my search career uh, almost 22 years ago in the medical device sector. And I spent 15 years there. So uh, that was recruiting very technical and operational leaders all over the world for small, medium and large uh, medical device companies and some biotech and in vitro diagnostics work, but helping companies get off the ground, uh, building their clinical and regulatory teams as they look for approvals or helping them turn things around or just level up talent. So, uh, you know, that was great because we spent a lot of time, obviously, in an FDA regulated space and really got firsthand knowledge of how important it is to operate with a compliance mindset and to be above board. A lot of our clients uh, would uh, become our clients after they got in trouble with the FDA, be it a warning letter or worse, a consent decree. So uh, building corporate compliance teams around the world for companies, among other things, also was uh, a lot of fun. And then I, uh, I did go spend just under three years in food and beverage CPG with a big focus in the adult beverage space. Uh, lots of similarities to our industry with a lot of state-by-state -state market differences and the three-tier system and supply chain uh, and distribution challenges. So, um, you know, really a nice compliment as it turned out to work in that field. And, you know, now three and a half years into working in the cannabis space, our clients have leveraged our industry backgrounds in all kinds of ways. Uh, certainly we have a lot of 
clients that that like the CPG uh, connectivity because of the similarities. Uh, but you know, we've had some really good clients leverage our uh, life science industry backgrounds. Those clients that are very tuned into being compliant and building organizations that are legalization and FDA ready. So, uh, and then we have others on the team that have more of uh, retail and hospitality and IT background because we have clients, of course, in tech within cannabis and other verticals within what I call the cannabis economy. Mm. Oh, it, it's, it's interesting on the compliance uh, side with the focus because in other regulated industries I've worked in, some people just do the calculus and say, I'll pay the fine. That doesn't happen in cannabis because you lose a license or, or lose a whole lot more. So uh, you can't sort of be casual about it. And uh, so the fact that you can bring that to bear as you do your searches for clients, I think uh, it has to be a, a, an enormous help to them. Yeah, well, there's there, there's the old adage of if you think it's expensive to be compliant, just wait till you find out how expensive it is to be out of compliance. And that, to your point, holds especially true in this industry. That's you—you you pay the ultimate price, really, which is uh, exiting from yeah. uh, the industry, really. Yeah. So similarly, we had an expression for you know the software: high penalties for non-compliance basically provide great opportunities for publishing and information firms too. So um, now one of the uh, other unique things about your firm is that um, your COO and co-founder is your spouse. So what is that like? I mean, that's pretty neat to be able to found a company, you know, with your spouse and, and, and run it for a number of years successfully. Uh, it's great. Uh, Jessica is my, my wife. We've been married uh, 13 years now. We have two kids together. It's really uh, for sure challenging raising kids and running a business uh, in this industry together. Uh, but great. We, we, we like to talk about our um, obsession for the work that we do. And we, we really truly are obsessed. It's, it's an around the clock effort and, I was writing with someone today. I think uh, it's really true. If you're if you're bringing all your 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 passion and and grinding it out the right way and really thriving at 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 a good level in this industry, it's it's a family effort. Your family becomes a part of it. The people in your house they're a part of your cannabis industry career. So really, just having my wife uh, formally officially a part of it makes it that much better. She's she's a lawyer. She, it, it's great to have her to lean on for contracts and back of the house that she manages. I know we're set there. I don't have to touch it. I hate that stuff. It's perfect, but she's more than that. She's connected in the industry. And uh, we like to talk about the, this Venn diagram of connectivity we have in the industry, because I've got a bunch of people out here that I know that she does have a relationship with and she's got her people, but there's always that, that crossover. Yeah. And it's fun to compare notes and not really have an interruption in the workflow. So it's whether it's over breakfast, lunch or, di or dinner or 5 a.m. or late at night or weekends, we, we, we can talk about it. And I think a lot of people in this industry, I, actually, I know it, there's a lot of leaders in this industry that go through a lot on a regular basis and they don't always have people to commiserate with, to share their struggle with, especially the men and women in very high places, you know, as a CEO or whatever it may be in one of these businesses, it, it's sometimes a very lonely place and you can't speak about the struggle. And when you get home, it's hard to really unpack it all and put context around the challenge. So having your spouse, if you can manage through the, 
the challenge because of course you can get burned out and at a certain point in time you just have to say look no more work talk let's just be a family and have fun but having having her know what i'm up to and knowing what she's up to it makes those work conversations easier and being in it together to support each other it's it's a big help no, that's very true. And then part about the the family uh, being part of it definitely resonates. My college age son is a big fan of all the cannabis media swag, be it the shirts, be it you know the mugs. You know, he even has a fanny pack, which is a limited edition. So, uh, so he's all set. But uh, that, that definitely likes the swag. So, um, so uh, let's transition a bit from the firm and, and look out at this industry that we both uh, work in. So, you know, here we are, thirteen months into the pandemic. How has this affected recruiting? I'm, I'm sure most of your interviews are now like this, video as opposed to meeting people for coffee or whatnot. But you know, what else has happened in the last 13 months to affect uh, the recruiting space? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, certainly uh, interviewing changed a lot. Uh, you know, the you don't have a lot of people getting uh, relocated around the industry to, to begin with, right? So almost two decades of search in my past lives was, moving people around and, you know, expat assignments uh, included. Uh, so, you know, leading up to the pandemic hitting, that was, we were already two and a half years into it and had adjusted to searching more locally for our clients. So uh, there, there wasn't that, that much of a geographic uh, issue with relocating people around, but certainly, you know, this industry relies heavily on the relationship and the feel and the trust factor. And mm. it was it was a lot easier pre-pandemic to schedule interviews in person and just connect people up or say, hey, Ed's going to be at this trade show because we know there was a show every other day of the year. You know, Ed's going to be at this show, you know, instead of Zooming with him in a few days, just go find him at the booth and hang out with him or he's going to have, you know, lunch or a drink with you later. There was a lot of that, just easy peasy interview setup. Uh, so pivoting to virtual interviewing, especially for ops leader roles, it was interesting during the pandemic filling actually uh, facility director and other ops leader roles like sight unseen candidate not going to the facility to tour it, the team not meeting that person in the facility. Uh, that was a challenge uh, for sure, but credit to our clients who were willing to get creative with it. And, you know, we, there were all kinds of fun ways where we had people zooming outside of normal work hours, uh, demanding that cameras be on and give it, helping people understand where they work from and get a feel of their style. And having sometimes if it was a, a weekend conversation saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to have my kid with me. Well, if you know, you have kids, you know, feel free to have your, your kid. Or we had, we had, we had spouses uh, tag along for zoom happy hour conversations as part of the interview process. So uh, challenging for sure, but we got it done. It was, you know, it was uh, less quantity of search uh, first half of last year. So, you know, I won't uh, perpetrate like, you know, it was a lot of that. It was a fair amount, but the reality is hiring slowed down during that time, as we know, and there was a lot of right sizing going on, but I'd say by late July, hiring came back in a good way for us. And it's been a lot of that. It, in the more recent uh, months, people have been vaccinated and, uh, you know, sort of the, the pandemic fatigues, you know, sets in and people are getting out in more safe ways. So we have a lot of people going on interviews now, just, you know, masked up and some candidates ask for, you know, COVID protocols by the company just to make sure that things are safe. And, you know, for the most part, our clients have this great strategic uh, HR leaders in place and they have good COVID protocols. So 
it's gotten a lot easier recently. Yeah. And yeah, and thankfully it's easy to not like the in the original pandemic days when it was tough to get your hands on some masks. Everyone's masked up uh, with ease now. So you just put on a mask and go on the interview. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you, you touched on something that we noticed too, and probably starting almost in the late summer of 19 into the fall, when certain companies started to have problems where they got overextended, they tried to build too many stores, they you know got sort of ahead of their skis. And we started hearing at conferences about how important it was to be you know, operationally strong and whatnot. So that downsizing and contraction you talked about sort of was going on before we even got to last March. So uh, in, in some ways it, it, it prepared us for it a little bit in that things were different. I mean, our business definitely got interesting. That was uh, you know, the last MJ Biz show that we all went to where there were like 35,000 people, but that may have been the, the, the peak before the, uh, the, the valley that set in. So uh, but glad to hear that things have come back. Yeah, thanks. And, and you know, credit to you guys. And I'll pat ourselves on the back as well. I, I know uh, the cannabis team operates lean. Uh, you, do, you don't need a, you know, a lot of overhead and fancy offices to uh, woo or wow your customers. You know, same as us. Being a recruiter through the 08 recession when 70% of my competition went out of business taught me a good lesson. And when we launched this, I just said, look, we don't need fancy offices on Miami Beach. Uh, if people come visit us down here, we'll you know we'll take them out, or you know you 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 rent a space. Right. So you know not a lot of overhead, and that 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 helped. I mean, we know a lot of a lot of cannabis businesses spent a lot on fancy offices and office furniture and in you know the best real estate, and just to say you know look at us in New York City or Hollywood Beach or what have you, and. Uh, you know, I'm sure it you know pays off here and there, but for us, it wasn't worth it. And credit to you guys for going that route as well, and just focusing yeah. on hiring good people. Yeah, thanks. No, I appreciate that. Now, um, in terms of the kind of roles that you're filling, you touched on this a little bit uh, before, but I'm curious about sort of this dynamic of people coming in from outside the industry. Like, you know, I imagine with roles like accounting and op- and some operations they may not vary much from industry to industry or, or CPG where we're seeing branding, like where, what roles are, are being filled more by outside, let's say, than by, you know, inside, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly uh, more of your roles being filled internally are plant touching. So there's always going to be a place for your, your legacy growers and, uh, and, and trimmers and all, you know, all plant touching folks that this industry was built on the shoulders of, uh, but, you know, after that, and really including that, you know, cause you can hire great ag and horticultural talent from the mainstream to those roles as well. Uh, it's really more of a company preference. I'd say, we, you know, we have, we have clients, uh, MSOs and otherwise that are very medicinally oriented and they love, uh, looking at a lot of talent from the life science space. So we have some, and those are more of your East coast clients typically and hiring companies out West that are more focused on uh, adult use, uh, you know, we'll leverage our more of our connectivity and food and adult beverage. And there's everything in between. You have a lot of other highly regulated industries like gaming, you know, we've, we've brought talent in from the gaming space. So I think it's a, I think it's a compliance mindset and, and a passion for getting in the industry and then just the deepest possible set of functional experiences in that given role. So 
if it's your controller getting the most accounting uh, experience possible or mm-hmm. your your head of marketing and and so on and so forth and then then really just finding the right culture contributor who's going to fit into whatever culture you've built or are building at your company and are going to add to that in the right way so uh, measuring fit really well, just beyond just matching paper to role description. And yeah. You know. So, so what about the drivers, you know, what's bringing people into the industry? Like we started in 2015, you started in 2017. I think the dynamics were very different then because it was really early days or, you know, and some people were in way before we were like in 2010, I think was the first MJ biz show out in Vegas, or it might've been in Colorado that first year. So, you know, different, you know, early adopters coming in, but you know, what's, what's bringing people to the industry now? Is it just something cool? Cause I, I think the green rush quote unquote has, has probably passed. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, there's all kinds of right reasons to want to enter the industry. I say there's really a very short list only of wrong reasons such as, well, I just think it's going to be fun or cool just to hang around weed all day. It's, this is not an easy industry to thrive in. And, um, we hear it all from, you know, I'm a medical patient or my family member uh, is a medical patient and or, you know, it helped my my loved one in their final days with their their mm. their battle with cancer just to find some comfort and go off easily to to the business opportunity or the excitement of being part of building a new industry. Uh, a lot of candidates we bring into the industry now are longtime investors that have made a lot of money off of uh, some of their uh, investments and they're saying, wow, okay, you know, I, I, want, I want to go work at one of these companies and hold a lot of equity in a company I work for. So uh, really the reasons run the gamut. And then, and then now we, we, we place a lot of what we call the unicorn candidate, which are those people that have already entered years ago from their mainstream CPG or life science or other industry career. And a lot of cannabis businesses hiring now want all of that, that, you know, blue chip company experience, all the deep leadership and functional experience, but the recent cannabis industry experience, because there's a lot of uniqueness in this industry. If nothing else, it's just, you're hiring someone that already knows what they're getting into, their eyes wide open, coming in, understanding that, yes, everyone's working hard. This is America. We all work hard. But I I, I do believe that companies in this space that thrive at a high level I think those men and women are working harder than their peers in other industries. It's just the challenges are so unique. Um, so yeah. you, you get that. Plus, if you know if it's a finance role, you get the 280E or the absorption accounting that MSO is like and other specific uh, skills and just knowledge of the landscape, just knowing you know, what an MSO versus an SSO is and having some connectivity to leverage if you're a brand builder, if you're working in the space. Uh, you know, hopefully knowing, knowing, uh, having connections at cannabis or MJ biz or the NCIA just to, to, to build the brand and be a part, become a part of panels and all these virtual shows that we have right. now too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because, you know, anybody who's listened to the Canicura podcast has heard us talk about some of the market segmentation that we see can serious you know, people who are in this industry and only in this industry like us kind of curious people who want to get in or maybe they think that they can take their business of let's say labeling and just bring it into the business and then finally kind of clueless people who don't know what they don't know i mean it's 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 not a knock it's just they're ignorant because they haven't learned enough yet and i think that may you know could be cast you know using that venn diagram again of uh, over the candidates some may fit in each of those buckets so but the that you know the kind of serious ones are, are perhaps uh, great ones to get if you can find them 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. There's, there's a lot to be said for having a relationship with the plant. If you really have that, that personal relationship and, and probably a deeper appreciation for the plant, then it, it might help you just that much more on the really tough days and in this industry, which are frequent Uh, because, you know, outside of that for the business opportunity, which I think is, is a completely valid reason. Uh, I won't say you're at a disadvantage, but with, without the, the relationship with the plan, I do think that intrinsic interest to thrive in this industry for other business reasons has to be obscenely strong to fight through uh, all of the challenges, which I know a lot of people in the space that lead re- really well and deal with all the stress and succeed. And they've never consumed ever. And they're not a bad person. I think it's great that they want to work in this industry, despite not being consumers. Uh, I think they might have an easier time, perhaps, if they had a relationship with the plant. But uh, I do not hold judgment. Fun. So um, thinking about some of the dynamics that you often see with uh HR talent, some industries, you get a lot of job switching happening or through M&As, you get this aqua hiring going on. Are you seeing those kind of trends that you know we see in other industries occurring here and now, or is it something that may happen as the industry grows and you know the economy comes back online? Yeah, I'd say aqua hiring is definitely trending. You have a lot of uh, operators and brands that weren't surviving well on their own, you know, from the 2019 capital crunch turning into the pandemic. And uh, I've, you know, friends of mine that have, you know, pre-roll edibles, you name it, um, small mom and pop, one, two shop operations that got gobbled up, but secured a spot with the company. And uh, I think that's a great trend because you don't want that, that brain drain. You have a lot of intimate knowledge that comes with that operation or that brand. And so ideally you can keep that, the person that birthed that and got it to a certain place and, you know, retain that, that good person, all their knowledge as part of your operation. So it's a, it's a win-win, not, you know, not ideal for some of those people to have to go, you know, sell part of their business when they didn't want to, but uh, better than the alternative. And uh, I think it's a good trend and a good way to keep uh, this industry going without it just turning into, you know, just only the, the, the really well capitalized will survive. Right. Right. Now sort of moving toward that, that strategy side of things, I always ask our guests, how do they segment the market? Like as you look across, what's your standard segmentation in terms of how you look at um, uh, the space? Is it, you know, MSOs, SSOs and everybody else, or, you know, is it geographical? How how do you do it? Uh, So I, so again, I speak about the, the cannabis economy and no, we don't, we don't look at it geographically. Uh, We, we help, excuse me, we help clients uh, all over the Americas and, We've done work over in Europe as well. We almost did some work in the Middle East, which would have been fun, but didn't. Uh, so I think you know, at a high level, we separate it by operators and brands and uh, ancillaries. So your service providers, your pick and shovel organizations. And, uh, and, then, and then just trickling down there, we can you know, subset you know, brands into uh, more of your patient oriented versus more of your, your adult use oriented and your operators. You know, we, so we do segment MSO, SSO or bulk producers. We've got some just big bulk um, producers that are uh, serving the wholesale uh, markets and then uh, ancillary, which is everything. So that's, you know, tech and other service providers. There's, so really you've got 
uh, a lot of different verticals in, in the cannabis space. And that's why when, you know, people write to us and say, well, does my background look like a fit for the industry? The answer is always yes. It doesn't matter what you've done before. Yeah. What doesn't matter your, your skills, the, the industry where you live. Yes. There's a place for you in the industry. The trick is finding the right role with the right group and getting into it at the right time, which is definitely tricky. Um, but yeah, yeah there's, there's something for everyone. Great point and great guidance. Now, um, what about uh, the hemp in the CBD space? You know, what we saw from a licensing standpoint is there was a, a great burgeoning of licenses in like 2017, 2018. Everybody's trying to make money from it. And then they overgrew. Material still sitting in barns drying out from a couple of years ago. Licenses have declined as people are like, well, yeah, I don't want to do that again. So, but I, I'm curious from a, like a hiring standpoint, are, are you seeing that? Because I've noticed some of the MSOs have a CBD brand in addition to, let's say, kind of a THC brand. So, uh, in our earlier days, we did we did serve some of the CBD only producers in the space when it was less saturated, and we served a couple of the big names in their heydays before it got really saturated. Uh, we don't have at this time any clients that are CBD only. We certainly have brands and operators that are producing CBD only or CBD dominant products uh, for sure. And they're, and they're producing CBD ingredients for, for wholesale to the life science and the CPG and other industries, uh, which is fun to help them grow in that way. But they're also, uh, they're also growing um, THC cannabis. So, uh, no, for us, we don't purposefully steer clear of it, but I would agree that, yeah, the CBD space is heavily saturated. So I don't know if it, for, for us, uh, I can't say we'd get, you know, all the way excited about serving a group in that space that doesn't have a strategic plan to, to grow more broadly and, you know, we, we've not done any work in hemp, not for lack of trying. I'd say we put minimal effort into working in the hemp space. It's just for all of the different state to state regulation gyrations that, uh, you know, cannabis companies deal with, really, the, the, the rules are still fuzzy on, you know, in the hemp space, really fuzzy. And that's, that's, that's been a struggle for us and some of the companies that we speak to who are not sure yet really what investment they want to make right. into their business, because uh, the, I think the future is still really unclear for them. So those. Yeah. And uh, the, 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 the dynamic that we see just in looking at the, the, the data is that it's incredibly cultivation heavy. I mean, that's where all the licenses are. That's where all the activity seems to be. You don't have that same uh, um, linear move from grow to manufacturing and processing to a store necessarily. I mean, some places you do like in Florida where they have 5,000 stores that are registered to sell CBD, but it, it, I don't think it follows as smoothly because it's regulated in a different ways. So th that definitely, that definitely, you know, makes sense. So um, just wanted to ask sort of the last industry-ish question, given all your connections in the industry and whatnot, do you ever run into cannabis media customers and, you know, curious what you've uh, heard from them? Yes. All the time. Uh, I'm shocked if I speak to someone who's not a cannabis cu customer, to be honest. Uh, uh, it's look, you, you guys provide a great service. I've I, nine out of 10 times. It's yes, we're a cannabis customer and we cannot live without our cannabis subscription. Uh, I, we, right. you know, there are some, I won't, I won't name names, but there are some 
pick and shovel providers out there that don't subscribe to cannabis and they're revenue generating people hate it. They cannot understand it for the life of them because the amount of time they put in to building their attack plans is, it's such a waste. I mean, you guys are providing an amazing service. So uh, yes, and it's great to be friends with you guys uh, because you're you're doing good things for the industry. Great. Well, thanks. I I appreciate that because you're obviously a well-connected person. There's a lot of people in the industry. Now, uh, finally, looking ahead, uh, which is something that we often like to do and expand upon what's going to happen. New and expanding markets. Everybody's all excited. Like New York, New Jersey, Arizona, New Mexico. It's going to be big. Let's hope. What does that mean for you and when? Like, okay, so you've got some of these states that are coming along. Is that an opportunity for you yet? Or does it take time, you know, as, as people trying to figure out what kind of team they're going to put on the ground there? Uh, yeah, we're for us here at Hunter Esquire, we're, we're fortunate that we have uh, really strong relationships with some established players that have already been participating in some of these medical only markets that are expanding and are well capitalized enough to try to get ahead of it on new markets. And, and so we've been, we've been busy with, with a lot of these uh, market developments where it's okay. You know, it's, it's about to get real. We're, we're going from four stores to eight in New York, or we're expanding this way in Arizona, uh, help us get, you know, a leader that's got more horsepower behind them, or we just created this this new role because we know role creation in this industry is, uh, you know, fast and furious. And yeah, we've we, we've been busy uh, because of that. Thankfully, it's 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 a more calculated and methodical approach for sure, which works well for us. We we're not just a resume mill, so we are very methodically looking for fit. So it's not that that hiring frenzy uh, from years ago, but there is a there is a strong amount of hiring activity going on in those new markets. But I'd say it's more from the established players that are well capitalized that are not purely hiring for what it may be, but what they know it's been and can sort of kind of predict where it's going. Right. Uh, right. It's not dozens and hundreds of hires. It's more of a leveling up of leadership. Like we need more bet stronger finance or operations or other chops or they've created uh, uh, regional retail leader verticals because, you know, storefront count is about to uh, heavily increase. So, yeah. um, you know, adding yeah. new roles has been a, a, a fun development for us. Yeah. That makes a, it makes a lot of sense. I think as people do have to look at it strategically and, and also, cause we've talked about MSOs a lot on the podcast before is that these companies are well capitalized as you have pointed out, and they, they tend to be good at you know, what the old international companies did in the past, they can export competencies, brands, and people across borders. And, and that's how they're going to do a great job in the next state over. And now as we start to look ahead, having talent that can run a region, let's say, even if the plant can't cross the lines, the people can. And having somebody who's in charge of that, I think is going to be a, a big uh, a big win for some of these companies as, as they can do things, you know, as you, you and I both said, more, more strategically. So with that in mind, looking ahead, are there any trends that we should all be uh, keeping a, a lookout for that, that, that you see that you can share with uh, our listeners? Uh, definitely. So uh, there, there is a lot more strategic HR leader hiring in the industry. So uh, good news for everyone. Uh, it, it, it would probably shock many of your listeners to find out how many sizable publicly traded companies in this space do not have 
anyone or one single person maybe at best in their human resource organization. More strategic HR leader roles being created is a, is a big, strong, positive trend. Uh, I'll call them trends, but with, with the caveat, I, I hope they trend forever. Uh, strong diversity, equity, inclusion focus, strong CSR focus, really good corporate social responsibility things happening in the industry. I think what's hot right now is the push for um, being more green and really looking at how you know cultivation and packaging waste and everything this industry does is you know actually you know terribly bad for the environment. So these are uh, trends, and then and then just better hiring again, just 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 smarter hiring. More accomplished leaders enter this industry by the hour, and with that, you get just better hiring practices, better understanding that turnover is expensive in all kinds of ways and just hire smarter. And it's not the friends and the family or the person I trust because they were cool to hang out with at this event. It's, you know, it's not a popularity contest. It's a, it's a skills attributes fit contest to make the right hire. And that's, that's been trending for a while now and it's, it's only getting better. So, you know, with that, the industry will, professionalize more effectively and we'll all be better off because we are going to be legal sometime soon. And we just, uh, not this year for sure, not, not making any predictions like that, but, uh, we're moving towards that. And, you know, we need to, um, we need to have as many accomplished leaders working effectively with legacy cannabis industry folks, uh, for sure. We want, uh, that balance, but, uh, the more professionalizing of the industry we get, the easier it is to attract talent because people are watching, right? They're consuming, they're investing, they're watching, they want jobs in the space, uh, and they're willing to risk their careers entering under federal prohibition, uh, but they want to do it with a high level of comfort. So, uh, yeah, that's a great point. Well, great points to end us with. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's you made my 420 extra special. Thanks, Ed. Excellent. So I'm your host, Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.